Hey everyone, you're tuned into InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy. Join us as we talk about anything and everything. All the stuff that makes life interesting. So let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to InfoQuench. I'm your host Jeff. And I'm Amy. And this podcast we're going to be talking about a documentary you recently saw on Netflix by David Attenborough. What's it called? It's called The Life on Our Planet and it was just released October 4th but we watched it today and we were not disappointed. No, it was really uh, eye-opening for sure. Um, you know, the the planet is in is in rough shape, you know, and we need to get back to action and that's basically the crux of this documentary right and our cat charlie agrees if you can hear him in the background yeah uh i think people are probably familiar with david attenborough he has done a ton of documentaries uh nature documentaries over well his entire lifetime yeah he's 93 now so yeah which is fascinating i think we were both blown away that he was 93 and doing this documentary and so so passionate about the work that he's done you know and has made a career of and one of the opening statements that is made by attenborough is we've destroyed it the natural world has gone he says human beings have overrun the world that is my witness statement the story of global decline over a single lifetime and that really sums up what the documentary is about. So um, yeah. I hope, listeners, that you'll take the time to watch the documentary. You know, it's incredibly it's well powerful. It. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to watch. It's both like a, 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 a treatise on his life, like his biography of his life and his lifelong dedication to exposing the wonders of our the world of nature, you know, and travel and... And then, yeah, and then there's the evil side of things. And it, it's all stuff that we as human beings have done to the earth, which is so, so depressing. It is. So we had a few other podcasts. Uh, well, I had a few other podcast episodes researched. Uh, and then we watched this documentary today and we said, you know what, we need to do an episode specifically on this documentary because it, it uh, I think it struck a chord with, with both of us and we just wanted to spread the word on it. I mean, any Attenborough documentary has spectacular cinematography. Like the yeah. footage of wildlife and just these beautiful landscapes around the world. That alone is worth watching. It's about an hour and a half, so it's not a huge time For commitment. For me, his passion is what's worth watching with this documentary. And all, all of his you know productions. But particularly this documentary, he is so impassioned. I mean, he's spoken wherever you can, at the UN, in Davos, like they have little quick little clips of him speaking to world leaders about the peril that our Earth, our Earth, our planet, we're screwing it up anyway. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's no, amazing. I mean, that's exactly what this is about. I don't, this episode isn't really around spoilers. I think we're going to touch on some of the content that's covered in the documentary, but there's so much, it's so rich with information really and is. data and... Uh, just visual footage I, and just Attenborough's, uh, yeah. you know, commentary that we, we couldn't cover it in 30 minutes. But we're going to touch on some of the things that that uh, I guess were memorable for us, and just have a little bit of a discussion around it. There are extreme glimmers of hope and and renewal, uh, ideas of renewal within the documentary as well, which I'm sure we'll touch upon. 
I mean, there's very much a sense of urgency with this documentary. I think even, you know, he, in that opening statement I read, he talks about it being his witness statement. Yeah. So I think he very much, what I took from that is he sees this documentary as almost a summary of his life's work and his last chance to give a warning to humanity. I mean, at yeah. the age of 93, I, for I him to take the, the time, like he's saying, this is sort of my... This is my opportunity to to give that warning to sound the alarm one last time and hope that people somebody is listening uh, mm. about what's going on. So the way that it's set up, it's quite fascinating. It goes back in time and it really looks at the changes in the world that have taken place over the course of David Attenborough's lifetime. Yeah. So it it sort of starts out with this. Uh, you know, depiction of him as an 11 year old boy, uh, you know, exploring, uh, the landscape, yeah, um, the rocks fossils. and fossils, uh, you know, where he grew up and it snaps to different bits of footage, you know, from, I guess, uh, various documentaries he's done throughout his career. So you yeah. get to see things from the fifties, uh, you know, all the way up to current day and you know and just get a glimpse of what he's seen of the world and why he is i guess so passionate about this topic and one of the things that they do throughout to kind of give a, a get a bit of a timeline is he he flashes up these three key statistics so right. he looks at you know at the beginning of his lifetime what the world population was what the you know level of carbon dioxide is in the atmosphere, and then what the percentage of wilderness is that's remaining on the earth, so that untouched land mm-hmm. that's remaining, because I've, those must have been the three statistics that he felt were very, I guess, telling in terms of where we are for, for climate change. Yeah. And the introductory scene has him walking through Chernobyl, uh, Chernobyl yeah. which, of course... Um, if you know, if you're not familiar with it, a uh, Ukrainian city that underwent uh, a nuclear explosion in 1986. So they evacuated. They had four. I think within 48 hours, the entire uh, city evacuated, and people have not gone back since. So he's walking through this city uh, that has is just starting to be. It's abandoned and starting to be reclaimed by the natural world. Yeah, you know, with trees growing up, and that was one of his and, one of his main points with that is that no matter what we do as human beings, nature is going to take over and do the best that it can. You know, and it's not just like uh, you know trees and shrubs and stuff that will grow back. It's the oceans. It's like the ice caps. It's like you know. It's anyway. Yeah. Well, along that lines, I think one of the lines that stuck out for me, and I think it was. In his way, maybe he was trying to appeal to the people who are amongst the most selfish in our population. Is it's that he's not trying to give the message we have to save our planet. He's like our planet will save itself. Mm. You know, life will remain; it'll be sustained. It'll but he said it's about saving humans, human yeah. life, and mankind because. We are, he said, the the world has shown us time and time again that it can go through a mass extinction of a species and, and recover. It won't look the same, but life will continue on in some form. Right. So I think his, it, I, I interpreted his message to be that, you know, almost reaching out to those who are like, well, even if you don't really care about the planet because you don't think of it as directly affecting you, 
He basically reached out and is saying, the planet will continue on. Yeah. But you as an individual may not. What's it going I mean, he does go through the different points that he has that, you know, will rectify this problem at, in, a, in, you know, modern times. Like this generation did so much that it would be easier for the next generation to take over and continue on improving the planet. But, I mean, are people going to do it? Are people going to make those decisions, those changes in their lives? And some of the things that he touched upon were really interesting, like, you know, nat- by, in a natural way, uh, decreasing the population of the planet, you know, limiting the amount of children that people are allowed to have and stuff, you know, and so that we don't have like an extreme amount of population in order for, you know, like, because it's, we all, all we do is consume and consume. We don't give back. Anyway. Well, that's right. So, you know, the idea around the documentary, I think, you know, the, the vast majority of the documentary is spent around, you know, climate change and focusing on the impacts and, and what he's seen during his lifetime. But there is hope near the end. There is he a does lot of hope offer, at the end. He does offer potential solutions. And the idea of population control, I don't think he says it in a way that is, you know, um, you know, a government imposing population control, no. but he just, he, he just puts out the suggestion that the fact that, you know, as a human population, we've grown exponentially and that is just not sustainable. Yeah. Our planet is not able to sustain the level of population growth we have. So when you think about, you know, evolution, other animals will evolve physically. Mm-hmm in terms of adapting to their environment. So if they want to make sure that they, you know, they have continued survival, you know, survival of the fittest, over generations they will slowly adapt physically to their environment to just make sure that their species continues on. But the difference with, you know, humans is with our level of intelligence, we don't need to wait until our bodies evolve and adapt to the environment. We are able to use ideas to overcome our environment and then we've been able to those create ideas. ourselves like basically sustain ourselves and, and and develop food sources shelter things that have allowed our population to grow exponentially within a very short period of time yeah exactly those things that that, that help us though are being exploited you know like fossil fuels why aren't we moving towards a, a, a like a an energy source that's away from fossil fuels. Like, why haven't we done that? It's because politicians and whomever, like, they believe, like, you know, and it's true that there will be, there probably would be jobs lost if the fossil fuel economy was done or whatever. And cars would, uh, you know, everybody would have electric cars and stuff. But is that honestly, like, at what, at what expense, though, is what I'm trying to get at. Like, you know, what, what do we need to do in order to get back to, uh, saving this planet from what it's going through. David Attenborough really, really, really exemplifies those issues excellently in this documentary, I find. Yes, he talks a lot about renewable energy sources. And, you know, some of the examples were very surprising. He talks about Morocco yeah, and, uh, having Morocco, a solar right. energy farm that is yeah. meeting 90% of the their country's energy needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about the Netherlands developing, you know, indoor farming, indoor farming. So that they're able, act- actually, despite having, you know, not a huge landmass, still able to export, 
uh, they said vegetables they, because they have... The second largest producer of food in on the globe, I think is what she, he said. Yeah, I could be wrong with that exact quote, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, and when you look at the population growth, just to put it in perspective, so as of March of 2020, it's estimated the world's population is 7.8 billion people. And if you kind of look back in time, it took 2 million years for the human population to reach 1 billion. Yeah. And then it only took another 200 years for us to get to 7 billion. Seven I mean, times that. I mean, those have, numbers... must have done studies to figure out how many is too many people for this planet to, to take care of, you know, to... Because the more people, the more the planet is exploited, it seems, you know? Well, and I mean, there, you know, in terms of the solutions, another solution that's discussed is just around the idea of having more of a, a plant-based uh, diet. Yeah. yeah. You know, that when you look at, uh, you know, animals, large predators, which is what, you know, in, in, when we're eating meat and what is needed to sustain them in terms of farmland and other animals. Yeah. It's... Uh, you know, it's there's a huge demand on on the earth, on land, to sustain a meat eating diet. And but if we went to a more agrarian, you know, diet, that we'd we'd be able to grow our own food and do it in an unending way, where it wouldn't take away from the planet. Well, kind of thing. Exactly. And one one of the stunning statistics that he said to me was when you look at mammals across the earth like all of the animals that make up mammals Mm -hmm. if you look at humans and then all of the domesticated animals that we basically raise just for the purpose of sustaining humans so domesticated animals we raise to eat yeah that makes up 96 percent of the earth's mammals by weight Oh, wow. So when you think about all the other animals that are just roaming the earth in the wilderness, only 4% of those mammals are, are existing are, just for the sake of existence. You know, 96% insane. are either yeah. humans or mammals being raised to feed So humans. only like 4% of the mammals you know, on the earth we don't, we don't uh, you know, eat. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, and I mean, he talks about the idea of sustainability and, you know, the rate that we've we're clearing rainforests. I remember being in junior high and doing a paper on rainforests specifically. Yeah. And you know how how the importance of, you know, the the importance of biodiversity and just in sustaining life and at that time I think it was very much in the news uh for the first time you know that rainforests were being cleared at an astronomical rate. Yeah. And you know, he makes a very simple solid point that if we are depending on clearing these forests to survive and they're diminishing, that by definition is not sustainable, that we will run out and it's not a sustainable source. So we need to find other ways to sustain ourselves. And when these forests are gone, so are the animals that were in it. So we're all the flora and fauna, you know? Well, yes, I know. One of the things when you think about rainforests is just the sheer volume of species that exist. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, a lot of them yet to be discovered even. And he talks about, you know, orangutans specifically. And Mm -hmm. there's some footage in in the documentary that's, you know, kind of tugs on the heartstrings a bit. But, you know, orangutan mothers spend 10 years teaching their young 
just which fruits are worth eating. And when, when he says that, when he says which fruits are worth eating, they teach them this so that they disperse, they disperse the seeds throughout the forest. So they eat, it's important for them to have a variety of fruits in their diet, but as a species, they also understand their role in maintaining the biodiversification within the rainforest. So yeah. they eat the food, and then, of course, obviously through excrement or, or whatever, they disperse the seeds, and that keeps the cycle going. So you think about in the animal kingdom, a parent spending a full 10 years with, uh, with their young to teach them that. 10 years. And then we come through and just clear-cut that biodiversity and you know, plant with a monocrop. And they talk about palm, you know, palm oil as being a, a monocrop that's often yeah, that's... used, you know, when they clear cut rainforests. So it's, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of interesting things when you look at what other species know innately to do to sustain life, to sustain the world, and then what we do as humans. How did, how did watching what you saw while watching this documentary change your worldview after watching it though like what are you going to change what what do you think the the average person let's just say would change after watching this documentary are they just going to watch it and think oh that was a really interesting documentary and i'm really not going to change much of anything you know or are they just gonna uh, you know i mean we're doing a podcast after watching it because it affected us so much we were going to do a podcast on something else but this was this really hit us. So, but like, how are we as a family going to help this? Uh, you know, the idea of saving the earth, like that David Attenborough presented in this documentary. Like, what are we What are we going to do? You know. Well, I mean, on my end, personally, I've been moving more towards a plant based diet anyway. Yes. And I don't think you know. I I understand that that people don't necessarily feel they could become full vegetarians. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can't have a diet that's more plant-based. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with that for sure. Uh, you know, in terms of making decisions, deciding mm-hmm. to, it's, it reinforces the idea of, of buying local. Yeah. I think having the knowledge of these types of things and what's happening in, in the world as a whole influences our daily decisions in, in subtle ways and sometimes in more impactful ways. Because... I would say that one of the main reasons why that documentary was made, not only just to illuminate the amazing life that David Attenborough's had, but he's, it's a call to action. It's, he wants people to change the way that they think. But I, I wonder, and I'm, I'm curious, and I'm worried about how many people are actually going to really you know, take what's in this documentary and actually change uh, everything for the positive. Well, let me I mean? put that question back to you. What yeah. would you... What would you do? What or what? How will you change? Yeah, pretty much the same things. Like I don't know exactly what more we could do. Like I mean, if we could, if we we buy locally, you know, we buy our groceries locally. We try to uh, support the the local farmers. We we do all the regular things like recycle and reuse and do as much as that. But like you know, aside from uh, you know joining some kind of conservation group or something like that i mean i don't know much else that we could do i mean that may sound really ignorant i mean maybe it is like there's probably like a lot of stuff that we could do you know but i don't know i really don't know that's a good question because it's something that definitely that this documentary has 
has drawn me or has like led me to contemplate for sure. Well, I think, you know, we're, we are, I think we do do a lot of things right as a family, but I think that we can always do things. We can always do better. Right. Ex- I agree any, with right? that. We can always, I just don't know what those things are. You know, it's whether it's, but, uh, you know, when you're making the decision to purchase your next vehicle, whether you decide to, to purchase an electric vehicle. Yeah. One of the interesting comments he made, uh, during the documentary was the idea that cities themselves would be far more quiet yeah, on I, renewable I energy sources. Well. You know, when you think about how quiet an electric vehicle is I versus, uh, you know, something that's run on uh, on diesel or gasoline. And if you're getting your power for solar energy, it's going to be quiet. It's, there's nothing quieter than that. It's, it's uh, quieter than wind, you know, and wind is, I mean, I don't imagine it's that loud, but there are all effective ways to get energy right i mean that's one thing that we could we could think about like in the future is getting some kind of solar power for our home putting it right up on the roof well that's right i mean there's a lot of people who've started to implement that and that's definitely something that we could look at doing i i think that just having these types of conversations the awareness and those subtle those small decisions where we might think that one decision we we make to purchase local or that one decision we make to maybe rinse out a container so we recycle it versus throwing it into the garbage all of those little things are uh you know when when you multiply them by the many humans who inhabit our earth if they're all making those types of decisions it has significant impact yeah. on our future uh some of the other you know solutions that he talked about near the end of the documentary he talked about no fish zones in the ocean. Yeah. And obviously the oceans are, you know, form a major part of our earth and uh, and our overall sustainability. And he talked about the success that no fish zones have had in terms of they then, like, the basically fish species uh, just flourish to the point that they overflow into the actual fishing zones. So the yeah. nearby fishing zones reap the benefits of having you know larger catches and you know it's not about not fishing and stopping that industry it's just about doing it in a sustainable fashion serving it yeah so i i found that part interesting it wasn't something i had heard about before but he he does quote um he said that estimates suggest that no fish zones over a third of our coastal seas would be sufficient to provide us with all the fish we would ever need and he also says that the uh the eu the european union is planning a project um, that will look into increasing no fish zones, and he he called it the world's greatest wildlife reserve. So there's no yeah. fish zones in terms of you know the the life, the biodiversity within our oceans uh, yeah. would be preserved if if that's implemented. So I mean, those types of major actions are the things that are going to have a lot. That's of That's the thing. I, it's really interesting because I found it in the documentary David Attenborough touched upon the major, like the huge decisions that can be made, like you know, controlling the population and doing, going, moving to an agrarian uh, agriculture or whatever, and you know, but not so much like what we as like just individuals can do. Like we can support all those things that you know he talked about at the end, but like what can we do? I, I just feel like I, I maybe I'm personally searching for things that you know ways in which to improve my uh, attitude towards the planet. Well, and I guess it's it's as with any any cause that you're dealing with, it's making sure your voice is heard, whether mm-hmm. that's through who you're voting for, whether it's you know doing voting a podcast, for, doing podcasts, yeah. but or voting for uh, you know politicians that have the values that you know that mm-hmm. the same values as you, and will push that 
that uh, agenda that agenda forward. Right. Yeah. Whether it's signing petitions or uh, you know writing letters and and sending emails, all of those things are part of making the you know the, right. uh, contributing to yeah. the global voice for change, yeah. and. Ultimately, that's how we influence those who have the power to make the major decisions that will impact our future. Yeah. The end of the documentary actually goes through what the world will look like if we continue on our current oh, path. That, was, and this that is, was pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. It's pretty devastating. It starts in 2030. And when you think about 10 years from now, 10, we all know how fast 10 years can go by. Yeah. And I think what struck me with this is that when we talk about climate change... And, and I guess this is a bit of a, a selfish idea, but you often think, well, that's way down the road. It's not really going to impact me. But as he kind of went through it, you know, when he got to the point of 2080, which is 60 years from now, yeah, there were significant repercussions at that point in time. And if you think about, like for us, we, if we're lucky enough, yeah. <laughs> depending on what what the medical uh, field is able to come up with, we may be uh, <laughs> just uh, just over a hundred years old yeah. if we're if we're that lucky. But our son would only be in his sixties yeah. at that time. So what kind of world and is there's, he going to have? You know, and having devastating consequences at that time. And then you think of our grandkids. And you think, you know, when you think grandkids, okay, that you could still picture that close connection between generations. They would only be in their 20s. And then he goes on to right up to the 2100s. So then if you think of those same grandkids, they would be then in their 40s. Yeah. At, at 2100, which seems so far away, but if you think about it, our grandkids could be in their 40s. So be our, our grandkids would be our age now. Right. The world could be four degrees warmer, which seems like very little, but because of that, it would make large parts of the world uninhabitable and millions of people would be homeless. And a sixth mass extinction event, so there's been a lot of mass extinction events when you think about dinosaurs and various uh, eras of uh, of the history of the world, it would be well underway. So when we think about our grandkids, Yeah being our age and being in that situation if we continue on the path that to me was heartbreaking yeah and not that we shouldn't care about you know any future generations like three or four hundred years down the road we definitely should care about them but i think as humans we do tend to think more to the immediate connection yeah and i find that human beings for the most part live in a live in a world of amnesia if it's not happening at this moment, like we could have like a, like, you know, crazy, crazy, crazy storm that floods everything. Actually, it happens all the time in the east part of our, of St. John. When there's really, really heavy, heavy raining, it floods. And then people complain for a few days and then they forget they don't fix it and it stays. And then until the next one. And then that's the kind of way that climate change is sort of received by a lot of people on this planet, I find. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know. You know, like uh, people, people just don't act about it. Well, you're right. If it's not immediately in front of us, we we forget about it. I mean, we're seeing that with the pandemic. We're seeing, you know, we're we're fortunate enough. We're in St. John, New Brunswick, in Canada. We have uh, relatively low infection rates in terms of COVID, uh, and 
very there's there's a lot of people who because it's sort of out of sight out of mind and not understanding the devastation that the rest of the world is under yeah. undergoing because of this pandemic and i it's human nature i think if it's not directly impacting us we do tend to put our blinders on to it a bit and maybe that's something that we do out of self-preservation for uh, our own uh, mental health or yeah I, I don't know why we do it i don't but know it's, why we do it either but uh you know people are ignoring climate change as it's happening and that is just a disservice to everybody that comes after them and themselves because mm-hmm. you should be doing what you can to fix it now one of the uh quotes that attenborough says near the end of the documentary that that i guess i felt it it, it resonated with me was he said, the living world will endure. We humans cannot pre- presume the same. So when he mm-hmm. talks about the living world, plant life, uh, you know, other species, it'll, it'll go on, but we can't presume the same for, for the human species. Right. And he says, we've come this far because we are the smartest creatures that have ever lived. But to continue, we require more than intelligence. We require wisdom. Yeah. And... I found that a very powerful statement. It was very powerful. Yeah, we're intelligent we need to come a up with global wisdom, though. It can't be just like you know, a few countries. It has to be the entire. Like, I would think that if there was a, a, like a pressing issue that had to save the world, like you know, and we could, people would come together and try. Well, well, this is global. <laughs> this is like climate change. I mean, we have a pandemic going on, and we see the world scientists coming together to find a vaccine. You know, yeah. it's uh, and we have the world then, scientists coming together to yeah. try to sound the alarm around climate change. It's true. I mean, I, I just yeah, it was very, very uh, sobering uh, documentary. I got to say, I very much enjoyed it. And I hope you get to watch it as well. It's called it's called The Life on Our Planet uh, by David Attenborough. And it's on Netflix uh, in Canada. So you should be able to find it there. And I think it's airing in some uh, cinemas as well. So yeah. definitely check it out. It's important tell other people about it, spread the word, because that's how change happens. As always, thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can catch up on past episodes at infoquench.com. Or just about anywhere else you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And help spread the word about InfoQuench. Till next time. time.